0: All right, you ready for the word? All right. There I am. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And by grace and faith, we will finish this chapter today. Does everybody say amen? Amen. All right. So let's start with verse 19 and read down to the end of the chapter. It says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit, in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I will call God to witness against my soul that to spare you I came no more to Corinth, not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Let's pray for our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We know it's already blessed. We're going to open and receive it by faith and be nourished by it, be blessed by it. Holy Spirit, again, we ask you, to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening and open them by the gift of your grace. Cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, we thank you that you're going to cause people to walk away hearing from you today. Only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go to verse 19, start unpacking this. Verse 19 says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among among you by us, by me sylvanus and timothy was not yes and no but in him was yes and so paul says our message is really about a person his name is jesus and he is the son of god say the son of god, son of god. you know what praise god raise your hand if you are a son of god now ladies you can do that because a son, sonship is a position not a sex so you are a son of god but you are a son of God. There's only one unique the son of God. That's Jesus Christ. That brings out the fact that you've entered into a covenant that was of not of your making. Matter of fact, I want you to say something, see something you may have not thought of before. Is that God has not made a direct covenant with you personally. And so actually the covenant he has cut, cut was with his son Jesus and so, God the Father cut covenant with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the heir of everything that belongs to the Father. All the promises that God has to man is to His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, how do I get in on that, Pastor? Well, just accept Jesus by faith. You enter into Him, become one with Him, and Jesus shares everything He is and has with you. And so, He will, so, you get, so, whatever is true of Him becomes true of you. And so, that's why you become a Son of God. Because he's the son of God. And so he's the message that that we preach. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so there's a lot of preaching and teaching going today. But there's no mention of Jesus in it. And so you're off base. I don't care if you're teaching leadership, marriage, parenting, end times. All centered around Jesus Christ. He's the hub that spokes everything comes out of. And so, again, if you're preaching and teaching but it's centered not in Jesus Christ, you're off base. Then Paul says, this is really what we're preaching is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was preached among you by us. There's some leadership principles in these verses we're going to look at. The first one we see here is that, that Jesus Christ is preached among you. As ministers, raise your hand if you're called to, to be a minister of God. Praise God. Well, in the kingdom, a leader or a minister is not separate from the people. They're not above the people you're to be among the people. And so again, so often in leadership that we see today, we see people separated. We see, you know, ministers staying in the green room. I don't know why you call it a green room, but they're separated off into the green room because they don't want anyone to touch their anointing. But I have a question. Why did God give you the anointing? For the it's for you to be touched. Tell someone you need to be touched. <laughs> Jesus was touchable. And wherever he went, throngs would touch him. And matter of fact, he mentioned one time, he said, somebody touched me. And then it was not a negative thing. He was pleased that day that someone touched him, that the anointing came out of him and healed somebody. And he was happy about it. And so again, we are called not to be separate from the people. We're not to be above the people, to be among the people. And so let's see this also in 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 2. 1 Peter 5, 2. Peter tells leaders to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. And so, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not by dishonest gain, but eagerly. So, the, the sheep are among you. And so, let me tell you something a shepherd or a pastor smells a lot like a sheep because you are a sheep, and we're all sheep. And so, let's prove that you're a sheep. Go back. See, if you were not sheep, you couldn't have done that. That proves that you're a sheep. And so, but but leadership is done among the saints. And so Paul said that, and then he moves on, among you by us, say us. Paul said, you know what, I don't have a one-man show. It's just not me preaching, but I'm raising up sons. I'm raising up the next generation, and I'm releasing them into the ministry. I wasn't the only one that preached. Silas preached. Timothy preached. I raised them up, but they're preaching too. And so, again, in ministry, you're to do it with a team. There should be no one-man shows in the kingdom. And so, again, uh, Jesus established that. And so when he sent out his disciples, 70, he sent them out one by one. I'm sorry. No, no. He sent them out two by two. You know, when Paul was called to go out in the mission field, he didn't go out just by himself. He went with Barnabas. Then when Barnabas went his own way, then Silas took his place. And then quickly he raised up leadership, Titus and Timothy and Luke. And there's a whole team that he would be around and so I've heard this and it's true that ministry there's advantages to working alone in ministry but survival's not one of them. And so we need one another in ministry. And Paul says that we it was preached by us and then he says it was by me, but it was also by Silvanus, that Silas, and also to Timothy. Look at the word Silvanus, his name means woody. He was the first woody in the Bible. And then the Timothy means one who honors God. And so here we're going to see, I'm going to bring out something here just from the meanings of their name. It doesn't mean necessarily it's true of these two gentlemen. But Sylvanus means woody. Wood, of wood, speaks of the flesh or what's carnal, what's natural. Timothy speaks one who honors God. One is of a precious metal. And so this just brings out in the ministry, there's preachers that are carnal preachers, and then there's spiritual preachers in the ministry and so ask someone which are you <laughs> introduce yourself hi woody <laughs> praise God you know this brings out that Paul said when he was in Philippians he says some preach Christ out of envy and selfish ambition but some preach out of an honor for Christ and so there's people with different motives in ministry and raise your hand if you're called to ministry then it's important what's your motive in ministry because it's so important. So many people have wrong motives in ministry. They're, they're in the ministry for what they get out of it. Right. They want the significance, they want the self worth. That, that's sick. That is not how we should. We should be fulfilled by our relationship with God and flow to other people wow. because guess what? God loves you as much right now if you never did another thing for Him. Amen. And He sees you that way. And some of you are like, well, good, I'm sitting. You know there was a time in my life I needed to be up in front of people I needed and I believed I was always believing and confessing for more people more people more people I put out chairs by faith chairs Lord fill them and I would just pre and you know and I would confess so I would have a certain number of people come in and they wouldn't come they wouldn't come and then finally realized what was the motive all behind that was about me 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 myself and I the unholy Trinity And then I realized God loved me unconditionally. And by the grace of God, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm a son of God. And it doesn't matter what I do. It's not about what I do. And so when I got to a place that my significance was in the love of God and being a a son of God, that is when God said, okay, you're ready. And then the people started coming and the doors started opening. And I said, God, I'd rather not now. (laughs) Because I'm happy just being. But he said, no, I I have need of thee. And so... That's the way it is. And so, uh, but let's talk about the message that Paul and Silas and Timothy preached. It was a message that was not yes and no, not yes and no preaching. There is yes and no preaching in the body of Christ today. What does that mean, yes and no? That means God will heal you one day and not the other day. He'll heal this person, but not that person. When you do good, God's gonna bless you, but now it's a no. And so there's two streams of yes and no preaching out there today. One is called sovereignty teaching. And so that's where God is sovereign. And so it's just up to his whim, up to his mysterious will. And so he'll say yes one moment and no the next moment. And so yes, he'll heal you today. No, I won't heal you. I have my own purpose for not healing you. It's called sovereignty. The other stream is called legalism, and it's based on your performance. And if you've earned it this day, it's a yes. And if you've not earned it, it's a no. And so both of those things are wrong. God, there's, the, the gospel isn't yes and no preaching. It's a yes ministry. Tell someone you're called to a yes ministry. Look in Hebrews 13, look at verse 8. Jesus Christ changes yesterday, today, and... F- I'm sorry, clueless translation... Jesus Christ is the same, say the same, the same. Yesterday, 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 today, yesterday, and forever. He does not change. And his yes was yes yesterday, his yes is today, his yes is forever, it's always yes. Well, why is it yes? Why does God say yes to you all the time? Because that seems pretty pretty scary for God to do something like that because some people are good people some people are not some people are better than others but guess what why would he be able to say yes not only yes to all those in his generation but all the Christians that would come how could God say yes to all those millions of people that he could still say yes because look at this it says but in him say in him in him him it's yes what does that mean it's because Jesus performed for God perfectly You know God has a standard by which he blesses and accepts people and will bless them and what's his standard well I like that it's Jesus but it's perfect perfection say per Perfection. perfection it's perfection it's not your best and you don't always do your best anyway you're lying No, God's standard of accepting you, blessing you is perfection. And Jesus Christ looked down and looked at all the men said, nope, nope, they they missed it. Nope, nope. And then he says, you know what? I'll become a man. And Jesus said, I'll be born of a virgin outside of sin. I'll become a man. And the the perfection you're demanding for mankind to legally bless them, I'll come and do it. And Jesus was born under the law, under 613 commandments, and he performed them perfectly and thought, word, and deed for 33 years in perfection. And on the cross, he says, it is, he didn't say, I'm still trying. He said, it is done, the righteousness of the law as a man. And he did that as you and for you. And when you accept him as Savior, guess what? He takes your sin away and gives you that righteousness he obtained as a man under the law, legal, and it's given to you. And that's the means by which he can say yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's in him, yes. Say in him, yes. In, him, yes. in you, no. Tell someone, in you, no. In him, yes. Yesterday, today, and forever. Look at verse 20. For some of the promises of God in him are yes. And it, I'm sorry. Clueless translation. For all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. And in him, amen to the glory of God through us. Okay. As a pastor, my job is to do digging, you know, and you're like, you know what, I have a business and I have all this stuff, and I can't really dig into the Greek, and so I did this for you. Say, thank you, pastor. I dug into, I did a deep entomological study on the word all, and I found out it means all. (laughs) Well, praise God, I did that for you. For all the promises of God in him are yes. Let's look at the promises. The Old Covenant was based upon commands to be performed, but the New Covenant is based upon promises to be believed. And so Jesus performed for them. He achieved them in perfection, now offers them as a gift. And so they belong to Jesus. Every promise belongs to Him. But He turns around and offers it as a gift. But you've got to receive a gift. And so it's to you. And so it says it's by the promises found in the New Covenant that we can partake of the divine nature and so it's by the exceeding great and precious promises are a partaker of the divine nature. And so, again, you're not God. Tell, tell someone you're not God today. Or you'll ever be God. But you can partake of His divine nature. And how do you do that? By the exceeding great and precious promises. And so, again, that's what that you can partake of that. And so it says here, for all the promises of God in Him are yes... And so in him speaks of his merits. He deserved them. They belong to him, but they give them to you. But look at that word, yes. They're always yes. And so I just decided, I was thinking, you know, I wonder how many promises there are in the word. Because says as many, as all the promises are yes. And I'm like, well, how many are there? And so I didn't count them all, but I actually did some research to say thank you, Pastor. Pastor. I did some research. And the research that I found is approximately 7,200 promises in the word of God. And every single one of them, God says yes. yes. I did some math. Now, I struggled in math. I did pretty good when there were numbers. But when they messed me up, when they added the alphabet in it, I never understood that. I was going good, and then they messed me up by throwing the alphabet in there. But, But I did some math. How long would it take if God said a yes every second? There's 60 yeses in a a minute, and and so 7,200 promises, that's two hours of God just saying yes, 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 yep, uh uh-huh, yes, 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 yes. I'm not scaring you. I'm not going to go two hours. It would have been... It would take him two hours to get through saying yes. He wants to get it through our thick skull. God is a yes God. He's not a yes and no God. He's a yes God through Jesus Christ. And in him, amen. Say amen. amen. We love saying, I even love saying the word amen. But what does it mean to say amen? Let's look at that this morning. The word amen is a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word amen means so be it. Or it is so, that it's true. You're basically saying what was just said is true. I agree with it, accept it. It's so in my life. That's amen. And do you know that the word amen, the Hebrew word amen, and the Hebrew word for faith have the same root word? The same root word for amen is the same root word for faith. What is amen? It's your release of faith, saying yes, that's so. Yes, that's true in my life. And so I want you to see the importance of an amen because amen is witnessing or being a witness to the truth. Now, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you want a word established, you need two or three witnesses. And so when you say amen, guess what? You become the second witness. Who's the first witness? God who spoke it. God said, this is truth. I'm witnessing to this. This is truth. And so what do you do? It's your job to second it. It's your job to say, I second that. I'm the second witness. And when you say amen, you release your faith, you establish it in your life. Well, you know, God just said it. It's just going to happen. No, 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 no. It needs a second witness. And that's you. And so you simply receive it by faith. And it's as simple as releasing your faith and saying amen. It's so. That's true in my life. By His stripes you were healed. God said yes. And guess what you get to say? Amen. 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 You're the second witness. So let's practice that today. You're the yes, yes group. So let's practice. Yes. Try it again. Yes. All right. You're the amen group. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, by His stripes you were healed. Yes. And you say... Amen. By his, by his blood, he's forgiven you of all your sins. Yes. That's what God says. The grace, the yes of grace yes. must be received by the amen of faith. Amen. You're more than a conqueror. Yes. And you say, Amen. You always cause you to triumph in Christ. Yes. You say, Amen. I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yes. And you said Amen. It's established. So amen is not something you just throw out there. It's a legal term. You're a second witness. It's established. Let me see what the Greek actually says here because let's look at what it says here in the New King James. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. It seems to be that the yes and amen are all on God's side. That that yes and amen on God's side, but actually the Greek says it's opposite. The yes is of grace, yes is of God, but the amen belongs to us. This is what the Greek says when it says, here it says, in him amen to the glory of God through us. Actually, the Greek says, and in him is the amen through us to the glory of God. Let me say that again. The Greek says, in him is the amen through us. To the glory of God. See, we, add, we must add the amen of faith. It's right. through you the power of God is going to be released. It's going to be established through your amen. And so, but notice it says to the glory of God. You know, raise your hand when you like to re- when you receive healing, you like that. When God meets your financial need, you like that. And so you feel good about that. But guess what? There's a higher purpose than that. Because every time you get a promise answered in your life, it gives glory to God. Every time you receive healing manifested, it brings God glory. Every time your financial met, it brings God's glory. Ask someone, have you glorified God lately? Raise your hand if you're going to glorify God right now. Well, then say amen. amen. Amen, amen, amen. Every time you receive a promise, it gives glory to God. So, again, the promises of God are not automatic. If grace was automatic, we would all be the same. We'd manifest the same things. No, we're all at pro- different levels appropriating grace, the yes of grace, with the amen of faith. A lot of Christians, they understand God says yes, but they're not adding their amen of faith. And the amen says, I have it now. Say now. now. Faith is now. now. Now faith is. The amen has to be now. And so again, you receive it. And so it's to the glory of God through us look at verse 21 now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God it's God who establishes us and so look at that word establish it means to make firm to establish to stabilize us God wants you stabilized. he wants to establish you but guess what he needs your cooperation how does God cause you to become stable in your health Stable in your finances, stable in your marriage, in your relationship. How does he make you stable? Well, he does it through his promises, through the yes of grace. And when you put your amen of faith, and when you do that to the level you do that, you become stable as a Christian. You become stable in your health, stable in your finances, stable in your relationships. And so again, if you're not stable, you just told on yourself that you're not standing on God's promises. You're standing on the premises. And so again, God stabilizes us by his promises and by revelation of those promises. Do you know what? You can change two ways. There's two sources by which you'll change, either by heat or light. Let me say that again. You will change by two sources, either by heat or by light. What does that mean, changing by heat? That's your stupid consequences from your stupid actions. (laughs) Have you ever heard there's a reason for everything? Yeah, usually your stupidity. And you, and after a while, you can only put up with the negative consequence so much where you change by heat, but guess what? You can change by light. You can change by revelation. I'd rather change by revelation, by light, than heat. Praise God. And so here you can change and be established with the revelation of the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 16, look at verse 25. How will you be established? How will God establish you? Romans 16, look at verse 25. Now to him who's able, say able. able, now to him who's able to establish you. See, it says God's able, it doesn't say that it's automatic. He's able to do it. Grace is able, grace is available, but will you cooperate with that grace? And so how, how, is that, how is establishing going to happen? Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation. Say revelation, revelation. Of the mystery kept secret since the world began. How do you become established? By revelation, revelation, revelation of the mystery. What's the mystery? Well, I don't know. It's a mystery. No. The mystery... <laughs> The mystery is a term for the church age. It's a term for the church and what's true in the church because the church age was a mystery in the Old Testament. They didn't know what was coming. The church was a mystery in the Old Testament. The disciples didn't even know there was a church age coming or there was a church. Jesus had mentioned it one time, I will build my church, and they scratched their head and said, what's a church? But, you know, there was a mystery coming up, and so what what revelation do you need? The truths that belong to the church age. The first thing you need to realize is that every one of you are a priest. The priesthood of every believer was not known in the Old Testament. Levites were priests. But Jesus came as another priest, not according to Aaron, but the Melchizedek, which Melchizedek was a king priest. Guess what? Because he's a king priest and you're in him, he shares it with you. Guess what? You're a king and a priest. You're a king and priest. Revelation tells us, chapter 1, he made us kings and priests unto our God. And so you're a priest unto God, but you're also a king. What does a king do? It rules and decrees. Are you ruling and decreeing in your life? Amen. But what about, you can decree negatively in your life, and it's so. And so you're to rule and reign in life. And so, again, and then you're a priest of every believer. You're all the righteousness of God. You're a, you have equal sonship with Jesus Christ before the Father in the name of Jesus. And so you need to get a revelation of the new covenant, what belongs to you. And so you'll become established by doing that. The next Paul says he, God establishes us with you. Again, that's a leadership principle. Not, a, not us apart from you, above you. No, we're established with you in Christ, and he's anointed us. Tell someone you're anointed. How do, why, why are you anointed? Because he's anointed. He's Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ is not Jesus' last name? It's not? I always thought that was his last name. No, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one. And so you're in him, he shares everything with you. So guess what you get? Anointing. Matter of fact, you're a Christian. Tell someone you're a little anointed one. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. When did you get anointed? Well, when I prayed and fasted, I got the anointment. No, you got the anointment when you got saved. Look at 1 John 2, look at verse 20. Now, fasting and prayer can get you in line and in touch, sensitive to that anointing, but it can't increase the anointing or bring it. 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing. Tell someone, you have an anointing. From the Holy One, and you know all things. Pastor, I don't know all things. I couldn't find my car keys this morning. It's in your spirit. It's in your spirit. And you have that anointing, and guess what? You also get an anointing for service. You get a special anointing that's unique to you to fulfill the Great Commission. And so tell someone again, you are anointed. Go to verse 22. Who also. Say also. Also. You know with grace, with, with grace, there's always an also. There's always more. You know what? It's like if that's not good enough, also you know and I go do this for you but also are you living in the also of God you know well I'm a Christian I just live you know you can buy a car with just the the basic model stripped down model I'm happy with that but you can get the deluxe package the bronco package guess what as a Christian you don't even understand all of the benefits and the upgrades that you could be walking in the also's of God And so Paul says, not only are you, uh, what we talked about, all the promises are yes to you, and not only are you established, but he's also sealed you and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Look at that word sealed. It means to mark with a seal, and, and a seal is put on something to show genuineness and authenticity, but also ownership. In the ancient world, you had a signet ring. And when you wanted to show a document belonged to you, you would seal, close it, seal it with wax, and then you put your signet into that, and it showed that belonged to Rick. That's Rick's. And to break it, you would have to, you would have to be a, a thief to get into it. And so we were sealed. Guess what? What were we sealed with? Not a signet ring. But what were we sealed with? By the Holy Spirit. When you got born again, God stood down, sent his spirit down, and the spirit went... And put a seal right into your spirit. And you know what? That seal can be seen in the spirit realm. Satan can see it. And he can't touch it. Can't touch this. Tell somebody, can't touch this. Not without getting in some serious problem. He'll try to mess with your soul and your body. He gets the spirit. Whoa! The seal. And the seal is God's, but it's also for Protection. It seals what's been sealed. Vacuum packed. Your spirit's been sealed. Do you know in your morning in spirit, you've never sinned in your spirit. Well, pastor, how did I sin? In your soul, in your mind, you received a thought that led your emotions get going and then your will went into it and with your body you sinned. But all along your spirit said, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's against my nature. Why would you? Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Oh, you did it. You went against my nature. You didn't trust God. You know, when I, you know well, after I got saved, I had a time where I kind of strayed away from the Lord. And, you know, I look back on that time. It's like, you know, I didn't feel real guilty about some of the things I did because I, I realized I wasn't legalized yet. But you know what? I remember a day when I told someone off, used some bad words I shouldn't have used, and I, and I had a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. So bad I had to go back and apologize. Because guess what? I violated love on the inside, my nature of love on the inside. And so you have that seal on the inside. Your spirit's never sinned. And so, again, you have a seal of the spirit in your heart as a guarantee. Look at that word guarantee. The word guarantee is a pledge. It's earnest, a deposit, down payment. you ever paid something by down payment, layaway? Where you know, I'm going to give you a portion now, lay it away, no one else can have it, put it away, I'm going to purchase this, I'm going to give you a down payment, I'm going to come back later, and I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to grab that purchase. And so God says, you know what, I'm redeeming them. And so I'm going to give them a down payment. The first part, down payment of their salvation is their spirit man, they're born again, I'm going to give the down payment, but guess what down payment God gave? His Holy Spirit that's the down payment if the Holy Spirit's your down payment I'd love to see the rest of it know, right. and he gave you a down payment he says I'm, I'm going to come back and get and finish the rest of it and so guess what he's working on the second part that's called the renewing of the mind or we're being saved in our soul but he's going to come back and redeem our body we're awaiting the redemption of our body he's going to come back and redeem us spirit soul and body and get the whole purchased possession wow. And so guess what? You're going to get a redeemed, glorified body that's just like Jesus's. Tell someone this is not as good as it gets. Remember that on Thanksgiving when you're in pain, you're back and your belt's up and you're like, Jesus, why did I do this? You're going to get a glorified body. You're going to eat, not gain weight. Jesus could walk through walls. In the millennium, you're going to be in the millennium ruling with Jesus. And there's a natural race that are going to make it through the tribulation. And you can walk through. I want to walk through a wall and scare somebody. (laughs) And then God's going to say, stop it, Rick. Yes, sir. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit's the down payment. Let me tell you something. When you gave a down payment on something but didn't come back, you forfeited your down payment. Let me tell you something, if Jesus does not come back to get you, to redeem and finish all this, then he has to forfeit the down payment. He would have to forfeit the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to do that. Tell somebody he's coming back. Look at verse 23. Moreover, I call God as a witness against my soul, that to spare you I came no more to Corinth. What were they saying? What were they blaming, Paul? Paul, you said you're coming twice. You said you're going to come through us and go up to Macedonia and then come down from Macedonia to us and go to Jerusalem. And you only came once. You don't keep your word, Paul. And Paul said, you know why I didn't come twice? Because the first time I came, it was very unpleasant. You weren't happy and I wasn't happy. We need a break. That's why I didn't come back a second time. Be glad I didn't come back a second time. And so I, it's not like I didn't keep my word. It was your response that changed my, how I helped and A lot of time you think, well, God just changes. No, it's your response that's changing it. Right. If you're wanting your will instead of God's will, then it'll look like God changed what he did, but no, it was you. So you got to realize this isn't Burger King. This isn't your way. This is the kingdom of God, Yahweh. And so how you respond is how he uh, seemingly looks like God's changed. No, was you change. Okay, it says that I spare you that I came no more to Corinth. Verse 24 says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand another powerful leadership principle. And leadership, you are not to be lords over people, have dominion over people, rule over people, tell what people to do, and and just command over them. No, you're to be a fellow worker for their joy. Look in 1 Peter 5.3. 1 Peter 5.3 says, leaders, not as lords over God's entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. As a leader, your greatest greatest responsibility is to be an example to the flock, not to be a ruler over the flock. Now, there's times you can exhort them. Paul says, I exhort you, brethren. I exhort you. I beseech you, brethren. But he's not full of commanding and control like the world does it. It's loving exhortation is leadership. It's example leadership. It's relationship that leads people. Because, guys, if you're leading and no one's following, you're out for a walk you're not a leader and so how you do that is by being an example by being relational to people and so and not being having dominion or being uh, a a soldier uh, environment or culture that you create and so in the 60s and 70s there was what's called the shepherdship movement and so you had some five pastors got together and say you know what, we all need accountability Christians need accountability And so what we're going to do is make sure every saint has to have a shepherd. And so that's great if they're going to feed you and teach you the principles and then send you away and the Holy Spirit will fill in the blanks for your life. They said, no, no, no. You have to come to us for every decision. Whatever car you buy, you have to get through me. Who you marry, I have to approve of that and everything else. And so, you know, I have so much to do. I don't have time to look over your car purchases go buy a nice car and then let me have a drive in it that'd be great but you know what my job as a pastor is to teach the general principles of the word of god and so what's going to fill in the blanks of how it looks in your life the holy spirit so i have to commend you to the holy spirit and to the grace of god and when you go out the holy spirit's going to bring pastor's sermon back bring the principles of the word of god back and say by that principle that's the decision holy spirit's going to guide you and so in leadership if you're going to pastor a church don't do it as a lord or as a general You're among the sheep, because you are a sheep. It says, says, we are fellow workers for your joy. We are together, working together. I don't see myself over you. Yes, the Lord has put me over to care for your soul, but I see that I'm at work with you, workers together for your joy. And so what greatest joy can a Christian have when you walk in faith, when you're trusting God? There is a joy that comes with faith and trusting him. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us over 7,000 promises. And with every one, you say yes, emphatically. And then you gave us the ability to receive it by faith, by an amen. You made it so simple. Amen. Four letters. Amen. That's a release of faith. I could receive it and walk in and be established in my finances in my health. You say, Pastor, today I didn't realize that my amen was being a second witness. It's a legal thing that I have to become that second witness before every word can become established. And today I'm going to be that second witness. I'm going to add my amen, my amen of faith. Now it's true, right now, before I see it. You say, Pastor, I'm going to start getting into the word and finding out what promises God has because there's a yes attached to every one of them. And I'm going to add my amen to it. And so, Lord, I thank you. I'm just going to commit to the amen being that second witness. Raise your hand. I'm going to be that second legal witness so you can bring, and you get the glory that God's glorified. Father, I thank you that you're receiving glory even now and even this week for fulfilling those promises that grace said yes to, and we say amen to by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: amen. Good afternoon. So I
0: really feel the Lord's strongly put on my heart to just say, trust me with your life. He's saying it's so easy to look to yourself to take care of your own life. But he's been saying every promise that I've made to take care of you is yes
1: and amen. So you can give him your life and trust him to take care of everything. He's, he's just said in my nail pierced hands, I'm
0: holding you. And all of the promises that I've made to take care of you, I will fulfill.
1: Amen. I have a message in tongues from the Lord, and if someone has the interpretation, please come forward after I'm done. Is she tired of losco ele na Is she mosotori? Elea nasata ishikiya kia olo o lo suno do rasa ishi a la elea noso kodo o shotoro shotoro, shotoro ilia sata ashana. My children, oh how I love you, let me love you, you are my heart, I love you, I love you, I love you, let me love you, walk in the grace that I have provided through my son. I love you so this is my heart for you walk in the grace that my son Jesus has provided for you some years back um, I was struggling to receive from
0: God because I felt unworthy and he gave me an analogy and it goes like this let's say I work 30 years of my life working all the overtime I can get, all the extra jobs I can get, because someday I want to take you to a car lot and let you pick out anything you want. And that day comes, and I say, let's go. Take, take your pick, whatever you want. And you look to me, and you say, I can't receive that. It's too big. I, I can't receive it. I'm not worthy relate that to Jesus. Jesus said he paid a much higher price to give us an infinitely greater gifts, right? All the blessings of, heavens are our, of heaven is ours. And all he says is, be the second witness. Say amen. Humble yourself. Say, I am worthy because of you and receive it. That way I walk away glorified. You walk away with what you need and we're all blessed. Amen? Amen. amen.